Welcome to the Sustainable Future Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Chang. Each episode, we investigate and discuss the latest topics in the environment through the mindsets of nonprofit founders, environmental activists, scientists, business leaders, and many others. Today, I have the great pleasure of welcoming Elise Shelker to the Sustainable Future Podcast. Ms. Shelker is a nursing supervisor for Children's Hospital of Orange County. She was on a global team that created an app prototype designed to improve access to medical interpretation for those with hearing or speaking differences. She's a member of the American Red Cross Orange County Board of Directors and serves as a vice chair for its Mission Impact Committee. She serves on the Association of California Nurse Leaders Communication Voice Committee and Board of Advisors for an Infant Formula Company and volunteers for Disaster Health Services. Hi, Ms. Shelger. Um, tell us about yourself. Okay. Well, that's a good question. It probably could take up the whole interview answering that alone, but I'll keep it brief. Uh, my name is Elise Shelger. I'm a nurse. I'm a former professional soccer player. I enjoy spending time with friends and family. I have two bunnies, so I love being home and taking care of my bunnies as well. And I, I love going for rides along the coast in my 1977 Bronco. I'm a classic car fan. Um, so when I'm not working, I, I do what I can to fill my cup and enjoy my time. And that's a, a brief synopsis on me. Perfect. I love hearing about your bunnies. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just adding on a bit to that, um, what do you think are the three three words that best describe you? Well, I think three words that describe me best are compassionate, resilient, and active. I can definitely, definitely um, attest to the active. You are a very <laughs> active member in your community. And um, I think you mentioned, you touched on this in the first question, uh, but you were a professional soccer player. And I was reading your piece on Medium um, about going from jerseys to scrubs. And I just oh, wanted to yeah. know uh, what sparked your interest in nursing? Well, it, it's a combination of things. My aunt was a nurse, so that was always an inspiration to me. I also knew from a young age that I wanted to work with children. I, I was always babysitting when I was young, um, you know, taking care of other kids in the neighborhood. And my first job was in a daycare. So I was always drawn to positions that I could interact with and take care of children. I was very nurturing from a very young age. And then I you know, my, my life took me in the direction of sports and I became a very um, committed athlete. And that's, you know, how my, my life took that path for a very long time. I, I wound up playing professionally for two years in Norway, which was an amazing experience. And throughout my career, I, I suffered many injuries. So part of what, what also inspired me to be, um, in healthcare was my own experiences as a patient. I had many surgeries. I had worked with many surgeons, nurses, physical therapists, chiropractors, and um, 
so I took that, that desire to, to help others because of my own experiences of being the patient and then combined that with my, my passion for taking care of kids and just followed that calling to be a pediatric nurse. So I started my career as a nurse in the pediatric ICU at Stanford Children's in Palo Alto. And I, I worked in different areas of healthcare. After years of that, I um, dabbled in aesthetic nursing. I was a global director of medical operations for a skincare company. And that was exciting because it took me to different countries where we opened new clinics and I got a lot of exposure to uh, nursing leadership. And then I decided I wanted to go back into the pediatric hospital setting. And that's what brought me to Chalk, where I work now. Thank you for that. Um, and um, you just mentioned Chalk. I know that you've been working there um, as a new nursing supervisor. Um, could you just describe your experience uh, with Chalk and um, about your time there? Absolutely. So for those who don't know, Chalk stands for Children's Hospital of Orange County. So I had moved down to Orange County about six years ago and was still working at the time at Stanford Children's. So I was spending a lot of my time commuting up to the Bay Area because I was very passionate about my work there and attached to my colleagues. And um, I just loved my job there in the ICU. But after you know years of that commuting and trying to um, expand my repertoire, it was a bit challenging to be taking on so much and still commuting. So I was trying to figure out where I can um, just reduce stress so that I can give the most of myself. And one of those decisions was to resign from my position at Stanford so that I could focus more on all of the projects that I have going on here without uh, over exhausting myself. So my job at Chalk has taken quite a turn. I, I was hired there as um, a critical care float pool nurse. And that means that you are a critical care nurse and you are floated or you work in multiple intensive care areas of the hospital. So I was working in the pediatric intensive care, the cardiac intensive care and the neonatal intensive care. So any given day, I could be in any of those units caring for patients. And um, in 2019, I went back to school for my master's in nursing leadership. So I was also focused on developing my leadership skills to get more into healthcare leadership. And so that is where I am now after a couple of years of critical care float pool. I, um, I was placed into this new position called nursing supervisor. So I work as a night shift nursing supervisor and it's a high pressure position, especially during a pandemic. Um, but I love learning about the organization in a larger sense, like on a greater scale of all of the ins and outs and behind the scenes of how a hospital is run. Really, I've learned so much. And my, my favorite part about the job is being a support to the staff, uh, supporting the nurses when they have 
challenging situations and also supporting patients and families um, when issues arise. So I, I say that most of my job is putting out fires, <laughs> um, but I really enjoy what I do and I'm learning so much and that you know, brings me joy. Um, a night shift nursing supervisor has a very different role than a day shift nursing supervisor because on night shift, you are the only administrator on site. So pretty much any challenge that comes up or issue that arises is escalated directly to me as the nursing supervisor um, because I'm the only leader really in, in the hospital overnight. So that's what a nursing supervisor does. It's hard to put, you know, like one definition on it because a nursing supervisor just wears many hats and uh, tackles any issue that comes up in real time. Right. Wow. I just want to know um, what you like most about working with children. What, why do they bring you joy? Children are so incredibly resilient. It just constantly inspires me to see how they behave in the face of fear, um, you know, discomfort, life-changing experiences. They handle it so gracefully that it's just something that we as adults can learn from. And so they inspire me, but I also just love, I love everything about pediatrics. The, the environment is so joyful. For example, Children's Hospital Orange County was founded by Walter Knott and Walt Disney. So the whole entire environment just feels very bright and uplifting and loving and joyful. Obviously a hospital is not necessarily a joyful place, but to see the kids' faces light up when somebody comes to visit them in a costume or brings candy or a dog comes to visit, like there's just so many moments that put a smile on their face and that puts a smile on my face because they're going through some of the hardest times of their lives and to see them thrive and overcome adversity is just something that it's priceless. Children are our future, as they say, um, quite literally. Um, and going um, apart from this, your nursing career, I know that you serve as a board member for OC Red Cross, and I just want to hear more about that. Yes, thanks for asking. Uh, so the Red Cross was my first board position. Uh, it's been extremely rewarding. One of the most rewarding positions I've ever held. And I think a lot of that just comes from knowing that you're doing it completely by choice, voluntarily, and just giving back is such a good feeling. Uh, as a board, we meet once a month usually and we're collectively driven by our mission and goals. And it's, it's always hard to describe to people what the Red Cross does. And that's simply because they do so much. It's hard to even narrow it down or give a concise answer about what the Red Cross does. 
Um, I'll try to explain a little bit about what we do as an organization. Uh, the Red Cross, like they work to reunite families who are missing family members who are in military overseas. Um, and I've heard just incredible stories about these moments where families are reunited. And sometimes we'll have guest speakers at our board meetings discussing that work or those, um, those incredible stories. And they do a lot to offer support to veterans. They host blood drives um, and then disseminate that blood wherever it is needed most. A lot of what we do is raise money to fund all of our many departments uh, because it is a nonprofit organization and I'd say majority of people involved with the Red Cross are volunteers. We do have to raise money to fund all of these projects. So that's, that's a lot of what the, the board does as well. Uh, we also communicate with government officials, mostly just to bring awareness to issues that are really important to us and see how they can help. And they also have an initiative where they'll install smoke detectors in people's homes if theirs aren't working or they don't have one for some reason. So we help people test their smoke alarms and we'll actually send volunteers out to install smoke alarms in individuals' homes. And that alone has saved lives. And uh, we, we do a lot to offer support to victims of natural disasters like fires, uh, whether it's helping them get medications or glasses that were lost in a fire or making sure that they get you know, medical support that they need after a fire, stuff like that. And there's, there's just, I mean, I, I, you can probably attest to, you know, I'm assuming there's a consistent uptick in natural disasters like mm -hmm. fires and droughts because of uh, climate change. And right. some of these disasters that we see are small, some are big, but there's certainly a high volume. Um, and I really enjoy being a part of, of that disaster health services workforce that helps people who are facing these incredibly terrifying experiences and, and doing whatever I can to alleviate their stress. Um, but back to the board, mostly what we do is collaborate on how we can help um, accomplish our goals and keep striving towards our mission as an organization. Amazing. Amazing. And yes, um, I, I'm familiar with Red Cross's work with natural disasters and disaster relief. They do amazing things for, um, you know, mitigating the impacts of climate change driven disasters as such. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you for bringing that up. And um, just talking on this conversation about the Red Cross and your uh, responsibilities and experiences with it. I know that you serve as vice chair of its um, mission impact committee. And I think you might've described a bit about your responsibilities there, but mm -hmm. um, if there's anything else you can add about your experience um, in that committee and um, your experience leading it as well. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So I think every single board member is also on a committee. We have, I think six, maybe seven committees. 
and all of the board members make up that like we each are on committees and there's one chair per committee a vice chair and then everyone else on the board is split up into those committees so that we have monthly meetings for the committees as well and then we'll report off at the board meeting what our committees are working on so that we can keep everybody on the same page and share ideas that way and the mission impact committee it's it's actually been quite challenging during the pandemic because a lot of what the mission impact committee typically does is in-person events which have been fewer you know over the last couple of years uh, we're really really focused right now on blood drives because there's a critical shortage of blood i think it's the greatest blood crisis in at least 10 years that we've seen as a country so we are working to secure venues to host blood drives and bring awareness so that people will sign up to donate and we're also looking for drivers who can then take that blood and deliver the blood to nearby hospitals so it's a really intricate process but without volunteers without venues we've seen a huge drop in donations which is really detrimental especially when you're in a pandemic and many people do need blood so that's that's i'd say that's our main focus right now as a committee is to just keep um seeking out venues and volunteers to donate blood because we've had a hard time keeping all of the volunteers working regularly because just like every other um job or company people are out sick with covid or because of an exposure so unfortunately that has also impacted our organization and we've had many volunteers out sick or out because they were exposed and so it's just made it very challenging even if we have a venue for a blood drive we may not have the volunteers who can physically be there to run it. So there's so many little pieces that need to work in order for it to be a success. Um, and so we're, we're really just determined right now to keep the blood drives open, running, and successfully getting blood to people who need it. COVID's been really ravaging our entire community. And mm -hmm. so, um, but the work that you're doing nonetheless is still fantastic thank you i know that you also wow you're so active so, in so many different um areas but i know that you also volunteer for uh disaster health services working with them i just want to hear your experience with that as well but also in your opinion about how um you know climate change is impacting natural disasters and emergency care yeah, so I, I will start by telling you about the disaster health services and I was introduced, I didn't really know about the disaster health services until I was on the board, which is probably a bit backwards from most nurses who are involved in the organization, but um, disaster health services um, is where nurses can volunteer to offer their expertise and help provide or meet needs of those individuals who are affected by these uh, disasters. So 
I once I learned about it, I signed up to be what they call a blue skies nurse volunteer. And that is when there is not a major disaster. When there are major disasters, uh, people can sign up for like two weeks at a time to travel to wherever that disaster is. Say there's a flood in Texas or an earthquake somewhere. We can send people out there to open shelters and offer support. Um, but blue skies, which is what I do, is when we're not dealing with any major disaster, but we are uh, responding to uh, calls that come in from people, mostly individual home fires. So I will be on call for one week out of every five weeks. I, I guess that means we have five nurses. Each of us take one week at a time. And if I get a report in the morning of any calls that we received, and I would then call those clients and find out if they're okay, what do they need? Have they lost any medications? And making sure to set them up or connect them to the resources that we have to help them. Sometimes that's um, a voucher to help them pay for transportation. There's, there's many different things that we do to help. Um, and that's just something that we do always, even when there isn't a major disaster, that's why it's called Blue Skies. Um, and I, I would love to hear more from you, Matthew, because I think you are the expert on climate change. And I, I, I'm so inspired by what you do. And I know I have so much to learn, but I, I think I mentioned it before. I think that there's just been a consistent uptick in fires and droughts that we've seen over the course of many years. Um, and I regretfully don't have the data to prove that, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, I certainly believe that climate change is affecting these tragedies that we see. And I think it's just so important to, to recognize it and to take care of the planet that we have. We only have one life and one planet to live on at the moment. So it's, it's so extremely important to care for that planet and protect the place where our future generations will live and breathe. Personally, climate change is the impetus or the cause for the uptick as we see in the past, in the past few decades of natural disasters all across the world. And um, for the two of us, both living in Southern California and California in general, we see the impact of that wildfires have on our natural ecosystems, our forests, and um, the almost now annual um, the hurricanes that we see in the southeast, and it's just getting progressively worse as mm -hmm. global temperatures increase. And I completely agree. We should. Um, act on this because this is our only planet and there is no planet B. And mm -hmm. so uh, I thank you for bringing that up. Again, such great work that you're doing with Disaster Health Services. I don't think you went backward at all um, because of the fantastic and 
meaningful impact that you're making to our community. So you are doing amazing. And at least let's walk down memory lane. So a few, I think weeks ago now, weeks ago, um, you were recently recognized by uh, the Greater Irvine Chamber of Commerce as a 40 under 40 honoree. And that is where we first met each other. Yes. And I just wanted to know uh, what this award means to you and your plans going forward. Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, first of all, it was such a pleasure to meet you there. I was so impressed with just how outgoing you were and your willingness to approach anybody and introduce yourself. And I'm so grateful that you did that because... I am not always the most outgoing person and you approaching me is what led to this, this relationship and opportunities for both of us. So I, I applaud you for, for that. That's such an incredible, uh, just an incredible attribute of yours. Uh, the, the award means so much to me. I honestly was completely shocked to find out that I had even been nominated and it really just shows you, it showed me that just saying yes to opportunities and putting yourself out there, even when it's uncomfortable or there's a risk you're taking, can open up so many doors. I, I was nominated for the 40 Under 40 Award by the executive director of the Red Cross Orange County, who I obviously know through my board work. And I was so flattered just that I was even nominated. I, I really still, I still can't quite believe it, but I just am, I'm really proud that all of these little projects that I do on the side, that many of them are volunteer and many of them go unnoticed and I do it for myself and I do it for others turned into more widespread recognition that I never expected and it wasn't my goal, but it really, really does feel good. And I look forward to giving that back when my time comes to nominate a 40 under 40 member of the community. I, that's, that's, that's probably what I'm most excited about because I think there are so many young individuals who are doing fantastic things and doing fantastic things for others. Um, that I, I want to be recognized for their work in return. So thanks for asking. I'm happy that you were there and it was a very special moment for me. Me, I felt the same sentiments and um, it almost feels like you've been doing all this work for your community. And then when the community recognizes you back, it just feels so gratifying, you know, and rewarding. Yeah. And um, yeah, um, similar to you, I can't wait to pass that on to the next generation of um, leaders. And again, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. And you um, too. I know that we've talked a lot about your amazing work in nursing and um, the OC Red Cross and Disaster Health Services. And you lead a life with so many commitments. I just wanted to, you know, wind down and ask you what you like to do in your free time. 
Well, I, I, I mentioned at the beginning a couple of my hobbies. I, I, I probably spend most of my free time either at home, you know, with my bunnies, reading a good book, watching a good show, uh, or just out and about spending time with loved ones and trying my very hardest not to take any single day we're given for granted. So I try to live life to the fullest. I do love to travel. I have not been traveling quite as much lately, but that is definitely one of my passions. And I enjoy seeing different parts of the world and exposing myself to different cultures and learning about other places and people. That Those are probably the things I love the most to do in my free time. Um, and just really focusing on self-care as well, uh, because I think it's so important to keep your cup full in order to give back and to give your very best to those around you. Um, so when I do have the free time, I try to just do things that reduce my stress level. Finally, to wrap it up, uh, what advice do you have for youth like myself who aspire to be where you are today? That is such a great question. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm still learning myself. I'm learning every day. But what I have learned is that it is important to, to not fear failure, to be okay with failure so that you're willing to put yourself out there and say yes to opportunities even if you're, you don't feel like you're quite ready or you don't feel like you're worthy of that position yet or any, anything that's making you question yourself. I just think it's, it's a mentality that, you know, sometimes we're feeding ourselves this fear. And if you just are okay with failure, take on challenges, be okay with not getting the job the first time you apply. Go ahead and apply again. And no matter what, even if you fail, or you know, if you think that that felt like a fail, it's not because it's opening up something new. Something else will come of it. And at the very least, you will become more resilient because you'll you'll become more willing to and okay with that failure and that's I think where my resilience comes from I just even from being an athlete and losing hard games or not making the team the first time um, not making that goal when there was so much pressure on you to make it all of those things that are so painful at that moment prove to yourself that you can overcome, you will be okay. And I think that's just a really valuable um, lesson to take into your life. Like just be okay with failure, take on challenges, don't be afraid. Um, and, and then the other thing I would say is to focus on self-care because if you do take on too much and you're not paying attention to your needs, you can burn out. Uh, you can kind of lose your motivation of what actually drove you to even want to do these things in the first place. If you're so 
stressed out, you kind of forget. So taking those moments for yourself, um, making sure your needs are met so that you can have the right focus on the right things and give back. Um, it just feels better. So I encourage all of you to focus on yourself, focus on self-care, balance in life, and, and then go out and do it. Just don't be afraid. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Elise. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. And yeah, I hope to uh, talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for the Sustainable Future podcast. I really hope you enjoyed your time here. Stay safe, and I'll catch you next time.